Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. And good morning, Harriet Madigan. Good morning. Uh, our guest today is Harriet Madigan um, from North Bay. For those of you listening and tuning in from around the world, we've invited Harriet today in a, in a big way for me, Harriet, because you've been a role model for me. Wow. And I, I, I don't know that you've known that, but I met you decades ago when you were Miss Fitness. And you still are misfitness. <laughs> but I've watched you over decades grow yourself, your business, and an entire city. You've awakened an entire city to something that I know you believe strongly in. And that's one of the main reasons we invited you today is to talk about community and the reason for it. So before we really get into all of that, one of the first things I want to ask you is, do you mind just beginning to give sort of an intro um, to the listeners as to why community was important to you and maybe how you got into Living Fit, for example, and what it is? Well, community and family to me are, are synonyms. They're one and the same. Even the word cult means family. And so... Um, I, I try to think of my community as my family. And I try to, I think if we as a community, especially in the 21st century, if we connect to each other like we're members of a family and we treat each other as we want to be treated ourselves, we'll be, make for a stronger community. And I think that's how we're going to survive in this century. Uh, we all have to participate in this family in our community. and. Now I'm going to go off on a tangent because all these thoughts are entering my head. But within a community, there's all kinds of micro-communities. There are, you know, there's neighborhood communities. There's your community of uh, quilters. There's your community of people you meet at the dog park. You know, there's all these little families that, that gather to make up a big family. And I feel that that's my journey in life is to help people understand that, that, that if we can socially connect and interact in positive ways and treat each other as family and love each other like family, we're going to make the world a better place. So can you talk about your family at Living Fit? Sure. Should I back up and talk about my own family first? You certainly can. Sure. I, I come from a... a I would say a really interesting family. How would I describe that? My, I, my mom was the matriarch and the, the uh, person who I realized later in life was the reason we survived as a family. My dad was, uh, uh, had a great sense of humor, but he was the party guy. And so together they kind of made this, uh, what do you call it, a, a mesh of, interesting family dynamics. I learned to love to laugh with my father and I learned how important it is to be tenacious to survive and to when you really want something go after it and go after it with all your heart. And I learned that from my mom. So I, I became a teacher. That was the beginning of, of my journey with that led to living fit and I ended up teaching adult education and lo and behold, it was family, family life skills or, uh, you know, 
go figure. Period. Yeah. Family and life skills. Was this in high schools? Yes, I taught. It, it was. I can't remember the under family studies. There was personal life management program. Where has that program gone? Well, <laughs> it left with you know through different governments. It left because uh, I taught mostly uh, high risk teens and adult education, and those skills were things like budgeting, sexual health geriatrics. Interestingly enough, all the things none of this generation knows how to do now. They're survival skills, really. And they included nutrition. And one of the, I think that's where I really started to get an understanding of what, you know, physical fitness, of course, but I got an understanding of how important it was to socially connect. With our high-risk teens, we would actually plan a meal together. We'd, We'd cook it. And the interactions that happened in that process. And then we would sit down and eat and share our stories together. I, I, those, are, those are benchmark times for me because I just love being with those young people and giving them that experience. Many times, some of them were holding down two and three jobs at a time. And uh, I'm going to get all teary-eyed thinking about it. Um, they, ha- they, don't, they didn't have an opportunity to sit down and be a family, you know, to be, uh, to socially connect with another adult and to be treated as, as the, me, as their teacher wanted to be treated as well, to be respected and appreciated for what they brought to the table, if you don't mind me using that little expression. And then at that time, there were changes in, in how in governments, and they didn't support adult education anymore. And so I moved, I I stayed in that teaching role for quite a while, but every year I had to justify my job. One year, I just decided that I didn't want to justify my job anymore. And I thought life skills are a lifelong learning process. And that's not something that ends after you finish grade 12. It's something that you you nurture all of your life, and uh, I thought I want to be, the, I want to learn all of my life and have that sense of curiosity and uh, excitement to learn new things, uh, all of my life, not just when I'm in school. So I started living fit, and I called it living fit from the inside out because I think that that's how we really grow. It, it's, it's an internal process and that it, assuming responsibility is for who you are as a human being and bringing that and, and knowing that you can make a difference. It's what you choose to make, how you choose to make a difference. So I thought I would love to lead a group in a very caring, supportive environment that was gossip-free, complaint-free, and criticism-free, where we felt that we are loved for who we are. And so that was the way I started Living Fit, and it grew into um, a women's senior club for women ages 50 and over. I guess that's, and it's still running, and this is the 21st year now. So 21 years. And how, how many did you start with, Harriet? And where are you uh, at roughly now? Well, I did start in the adult education program, and now we run between 150 to 200 women on a yearly basis. And, you know, it moves with the, the seasons kind of thing. 
it's a real testament that I used to think that, oh, it's the physical fitness, it's the classes, you know. I know that people really enjoy being physically active, but I will tell you it's not. What really keeps people healthy is the opportunity to socially connect in, in that loving, caring environment, knowing you're not, you know, as your best you can not to judge to just let people be who they are and know that you're accepted to create that environment. And I often have speakers, and you're one of them, uh, come in and say that they they feel a warmth or an energy in the group right away. I think that I've worked, you know, you, you do what you need to learn yourself. Can you tell us more about what the group involves? What activities and events you you create and provide for them? Because, I mean, I know, but, I, I mean, I've already made it a goal when I turned 50 to be a part of it. So can you tell young, brand-new listeners who aren't aware of your, your group what you do with these ladies? Sure. There, there is an exercise component to the class, if people choose to be part of that. And then we have an informal coffee gathering, and then I have resources from... The community, and it can be anything from naturopathic doctor to past life regression to a conversation on uh, chiropractic. It could be candidates from uh, municipal government in to talk about what they do and how they can serve the, our community. So there's all kinds of things like that that go on. We do excursions. We travel together. We break bread together. Uh, we do international travel as well, and uh, we have a book club, a choir. Just it's full living, it's full healthy living, and it's just an opportunity to grow. Well, it's one of the beautiful things I'm hearing is that you're giving an opportunity for where people feel safe, and you you created that environment. I heard Harriet in a couple of ways by saying gossip free by making some rules around not criticizing each other, which means that you created safety for people, like you said, to be themselves without feeling judged or criticized by others, which maybe allows them to sit back a little bit when they're self-criticizing so that they might see what they're doing to themselves if no one else is doing it to them. And if you create that sense of safety, what a very different type of society and community you create when everyone feels safe in it. Yes. When you yes. don't feel combative for attention or having your needs met. You're saying, be safe here. Everyone will be seen and acknowledged at some time. And there, it's, it's not, um, how do you say that? Like um, a striving for it. You get to relax the energy in each person because their needs are going to be met. So they're their ability to absorb changes because they're not so anxious about how am I going to be perceived or what am I going to get out of this or what am I going to take out of it? You, you it, I say you, it removes some level of anxiety. Yes. Yeah. And, and consequently, some levels of depression. I hope so. And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't want your audience to think that I do the things perfectly all the time. This is a learning experience, and it's just relaxing into life. You know, it's. Uh, I read this really interesting book, just a small little book called A Complaint-Free World. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's by Will Bowen. He was a minister in a, in a church in the States. 
And there's one little quote in there, and it says, be a healing cell in the body of humanity. And that one little statement, you know how it can trigger in you, I think it brings me back to where I need to be, you know. And so whatever I'm doing, is that really going to make the world a healthier, better place? You know, does that mean I'm going to, and, and, and we approach that, I've used that expression with my group a lot. Nobody does anything perfectly, but do your best to be a healing cell in the body of humanity. What does that look like for you? And, uh, you know, we're all moving in the same direction, whether we like it or not. You know, hopefully, if we help each other along that journey, it's going to make things better for everyone, including ourselves. But that doesn't mean, you know, I think one of the things that most people, and I, I think I read somewhere, 95% of people feel they're not good enough. And that is, a, to me, when I hear that, because I've been there myself, is a reflection of how I'm going to treat other people. And that's my reality check. If I'm not feeling that I'm good enough, that I have a purpose and I'm going to make, I'm going to do something here. I'm here. I'm not here for just as a random act or an explosion of an atom or whatever. You know, I'm here because I am meant to do something to just move us along this journey. You know, however it is, it's love, whatever you want to call it, you know, this, this beautiful energy to make it a better place, you know, to fulfill my purpose. I have a duty to do that. I just feel I, I think that's everybody's journey, and we're all going to do it in a different way, and to ignore it is really, uh, I always think, and I don't know anything about this stuff, but I'm sure I'm coming back for sure, you know, to to uh, fulfill it again <laughs> because yeah, you just keep on practicing. That's all. No, I I um, that's the one thing I'm really sure about that this is why I'm here. I'm here to really help people socially connect and I'm doing things like living fit which is but I'm also doing tango.com which is really that's a huge undertaking and I really do feel it's you know obviously it's there has to be some monetary reward in there to keep that that program going to keep that system going that events promotion and management system but my ultimate goal is to have people connect and uh, to go to events and connect with others and share their stories and attend. You don't attend event, events to be unhappy. You attend them to share, you know. You, you go to laugh together, to share your experience after. I don't think uh, there's any creativity in being negative about anything. I think that if you can find something good in everything that's going on, even some of the nasty things, there's something, there's a reason for it. The, uh, the events piece of it is really about social connection, and that's that one little catchword is where, that's where my destiny is, it's right there. For people who aren't aware, Tanger.com is an event page that is now existing, correct me if I'm wrong, Harriet, in um, tons and tons of cities. It's going international, um, so that people can go to one one place for their community to find out where all their events are happening upcoming events so that like you said you can get out be social and connect with the people in your community 
Yes, that's right. So I, I think I've, I've mentioned this to you before, to Karen for sure, that I tracked events for three years and there were over 4,000 events in our community. And many of them were well attended, even though they were great events. I think if more people know about these things that are happening, they can go out and, and uh, they can go to one system, one website, and say, what's happening today in my community? And there it is for them. They can make some choices and socially connect with people who are out there to enjoy that the same event as well. And thank God, because I think about our little community here. If you're saying that the events aren't being well attended, it means that we're not putting our, our finances back into our own community. We're not investing in ourselves, not just socially, but financially for us to grow. Absolutely. And I think I, I mentioned before there were 2,500 events in the last year and a half in North Bay. So when people say there's nothing to do here, I, I really do absolutely know that that's not true. There's lots of things to do and uh, there's lots of places to go and things to see from, you know, nature hikes to events at the Capitol Center or coffee with a friend or coffee at the church group. You can eat, believe it or not, in in, uh, the city of North Bay every night of the week for about $10 or under that. And it's either a church supper. And you think what that would mean for senior people to know that they can be able to go and sit and share a meal with someone, you know? And students. Yes, yeah. I think there's a, there's a wide variety of needs. I, I, I watched a little talk on TED Talk the other day, TED.com, and it had to do with a police, a retired police officer who worked, I can't remember, San Francisco Bridge. And there were, I can't remember if he said there's over like 2,500 suicides that have occurred on the bridge. Much to the, well, I won't say to the dismay of the architect that built it, but he thought it was it was suicide free. And one of the things that grabbed me in that talk that this police officer ended up being trained to do in his life was to be a listener. And it was just to ask questions. It wasn't to try and drag them off the bridge. It wasn't to apprehend them or arrest them, to um, to do anything meaning to save their life or to alter it. It was simply to be a listener. And so when you're talking about events, when you're talking about community, I think sometimes some of us can have anxiety over going to some events because we don't think we're interesting. We don't think we have anything to share or to say. We go to work, we go home, we, we get in the same grind. We don't think we have things to share with another person. But I learned from that, and I mean, I've learned as well in other aspects in my life, what the capacity of a good listener can do for another person. To go to an event, to listen to a band play, they need the ears. They, they need the audience. That's to, to be witness to, to share, to listen, to see, to share the energy of. But our willingness to be that, that part of it, the listener, is much bigger than I think we realize. To so, be a listener without judgment, I think that's a big piece right there. I, that's my lifelong lesson, I, you know, and I have to practice that every day. Because I think we're in this world where we have to like or dislike something. You know what I mean? On Facebook or whatever. Oops, I shouldn't probably use that word. But on, 
why do we have to put a judgment on everything? Why can't we just enjoy the essence of that event? You know? And it's a, it's a reflection of how, again, you know, of, is that a reflection of, of how I feel about myself? You know, that I have to judge everything I'm doing? Can I just not do it and not do it perfectly? Just do it and enjoy the experience? And be more of a f facilitator, you know, to facilitate something is, to me, is less judgment than teaching, you know what I mean? I think just to, to create an environment that facilitates growth, that kind of thing, or facilitates uh, values like kindness and generosity and enjoy someone who is tenacious or enjoy someone who is determined. I like your tenacious gardeners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anybody has uh, is from North Bay or has visited this little community in northern Ontario in Canada, our waterfront is unbelievable. It's it's beautiful. And we have very tenacious gardeners here. <laughs> we do. That that's a great story and I'm as you know, I'm a co-founder of the Heritage Gardeners, but that happened because the city had, didn't have the um, the resources, the financial resources to maintain those gardens. So the plan in 1997 was to, to turf them and to mulch them so there would be no gardens at all. It was, uh, you know, it just shows you out of adversity, sometimes great things happen. I like to say we planted a seed at City Hall to create beds of 53 beds and have teams take those beds on and just work with those beds and break it into little pieces where everybody works together and in the very first year and this is before you know there was there were computers or well there were computers but there wasn't that connection as there is now you know with the social media etc we had 180 people come forward to say we'll save the gardens and now we average about between 250 and 300 people a year. And this is after 20 years. It's, just, it's an amazing feat. But I, I think it was a testament to how people love their community. There is another testament to what can happen through social connection. We didn't, they don't just plant shrubs and trees and, and uh, perennials in the ground. They plant their ambassadors of of the community people stop and say thank you they tell stories they share Harriet I was walking down the waterfront one day a couple of years ago and I got a message for were you there um for a young boy he was a gardener okay <laughs> he was just standing on the side of the road Kelly do you, are you were you there at this time yeah I was can you tell the story then I don't remember everything Thank you. Well, we walked past him, and then you said, I'm, I have to turn around. I have to speak to that young man. And so I just waited patiently, and I gave him their privacy, because I know when you're receiving a message, sometimes it's very personal. And she walked back towards him, and she just said, don't go back to school. And he looked at her, and he said, what? And she goes, you're going to be okay. You don't need to go back to school. And it was just all of the relief that he was hoping for, knowing that he was going to be okay, he was still going to get his career. I think it was something that he was going into carpentry and that he didn't need to go formally back to school 
to fulfill his purpose and that he could continue gardening and enjoying himself and that things were going to move along just fine. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, That's a great story. Yeah. And, and there, there it is. He's, he's out giving to his community gardening and a passerby walks up and gives him a message to give something back to him. And I think of the people that wear the infinity necklaces and the infinity scarves and, and they, and, and that's good because maybe it's putting them into that place of reminding them that we give and take as part of community. But there it is right there. He's just at the waterfront gardening. He was pulling weeds. Yeah. And I walked past him and just heard some messages for him and walked right, pa- right back to him to give him his messages that he needed that day. That's, that's awesome. That to me goes, there's your community of what you give out and you receive. Yes. And it comes easily and gently. It's not forceful or it's not, if I give, what am I going to get back? Some people have a chip on their shoulder for this and, and they, they go into, what am I going to get out of something if I give? But I'm just referring to how easy it is if you're in the right place, right time, because your heart and your intention put you there. Absolutely. And I think that we sometimes are, we get caught up in this, as you said, if I give, will I get something back? And I think that to be more, I guess what would the right word be, to give for giving sake without any expectation is where you really get the rewards. Because when that happens, you will get back. And if it's not, it doesn't have to, it shouldn't have to be with uh, somebody saying thank you, but although that's very nice, or uh, even a story, but to give just for giving sake without any expectation, I think is, uh, I think that's what the gardeners do. There's no expectation there, as far as I, I'm aware anyways. People do it because they just love their community and they want to give back. They appreciate when someone stops and speaks to them and just we don't know what's happening there's there's probably a million stories down there maybe just maybe one gesture of kindness you know to say hello to some a passerby or for the passerby to say hello to the gardener maybe that one little gesture will trigger something that will make that person's life just a little bit better that day or maybe who knows it might trigger something for the rest of their lives we don't know when we teach and do reiki as a as a reiki teacher in the first and second chakra you do acts of kindness expecting something back so your first and second chakra your hips area and if you have some problems in there then then that's something you could look at in your life but when you hit the fourth chakra and your sixth you're giving from a space of the heart center which is what you're talking about so then we move into the back area, the T8, T10 spine, and into the sixth chakra, which is in the forehead area, which is migraines and headaches and stuff. So when we do some energy healing, Harriet, if, if we want to liken it into that part of our lives where we hold things in the body, or where we say, you know, you give from a space of what am I going to get back? We can lock some of that anger if we're not getting back what we want into the hips and ache. But when we start giving from the heart area and we truly give with an openness and not looking for what we get back for it all the time, then we open up the heart, we open up the chest area, the breasts, the lungs. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Reiki, but that makes sense. (laughs) I think that's the lightness that people are desiring 
in talking about and the oneness that we that we throw around in vocabulary but don't necessarily feel just yet but we're hoping to feel yes and i i there we're getting, we're getting back to social connection again you know and how important it is for us to to have that connection without any expectation and just appreciate you know i i don't always do that perfectly i like to say that because but i am getting better and better at it. Can we also say though too, Harriet, that we're not saying that people have to give and not have any boundaries or not have any healthiness in that of knowing how much they can give, knowing maybe the timing of it, Mm -hmm. knowing their parameters around it of when it might fatigue them or hurt their back or so on and so forth. We're not talking about giving to uh, energetic hemorrhaging. So that's like another term. We don't want to turn people into energetically hemorrhaging. They they need to know their boundaries around it for their own healthiness. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and you I think we can intuitively know that. We really there's another kind of listening, you know. Listening to your own your own body, your own intuitive sense of what needs to happen in that in whatever the situation is. And as you say, you're not to jeopardize your own safety. And, uh, you know, I find myself often <laughs> I'm driving, seeing someone walk down the street and saying, oh, lovey, I hope you're going to have a great day. And, you know, I have to change that because what do I know? I don't know what's going on in that person's life. But I can send them some love and not attach my own judgment to that little piece, you know. He might be looking back at me and saying, oh, that poor old lady, I wonder <laughs> what's going on with her. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I think I'm at, I have a tendency to go to the Buddhists, you know, the old Buddhist monk who's, and they said, oh, your son's going to war. That's such a bad thing, you know. And uh, he comes back, comes back, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> you know. And then his son breaks his leg, and and uh, his friends come up and say, "Oh, you're that's such a lucky thing. Your son can't can't uh, go to war." And he says, "Maybe, maybe not." And it just continues yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. Like there's a, it's a, a lesson in non-judgment, I think. You know, at my age, I'm starting to actually learn to let light throw, flow through me, and not even to make expectation on any of that because. It's just what it's life. My my uh, eight year old granddaughter said that to me one day. It is what it is, Grandma. We have this is you know it's a fleeting life, don't you think? It's so fast. I don't want to spend those precious moments feeling expectation or feeling judgment or you know what a waste of my valuable time. I don't want to do that. I want to be fully present, fully me, doing what I'm supposed to do, and just carrying on. I love how you've brought into the conversation about the importance of community, that we can have a sense of our own selves and not be lost in it, so we can attend something and still be who we are in that. And I I love how you brought in not being critical of what other people's uh, perceptions are of the same event. Yes. Or, or, Or what they're enjoying or not enjoying out of it. And, and I think about in my past of going to some, some social situations where as a non-drinker, people picked on me and 
wanted thought I was uptight prudish because I I can't drink alcohol I'm actually allergic to it but they wouldn't know that they just thought I was being that I thought I was being better than them and it, it wasn't at all about that it was that I wanted to be with my friends I wanted to be with people but I couldn't do it quite in the same way that they could do it and I had to be able to be comfortable that I wasn't going to be able to be just like them but it pushed me to be me. Yes. Yeah. And right. as I had yeah. to sit in being me, what was their response to that? It wasn't always nice. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. You kind of come and go and you figure out which people you can be around, which events you like and don't like. And that's part of growing. Yes. And isn't there a Kelly Clarkson song, uh, What Does Not Kill Me Makes Me Stronger? I think of that song a lot. I think, you know, people... Even that has value, you know, when people are critical or you you run into a, a bully. It, it's a call to, to find your own strength, I, I think. And that, that finding your own strength might be simply just leaving and not being party to that kind of thing, you know. Do you really need that in your life? Is that what you're, what, you know... Where, where do you fit in all of that? There's where your intuition comes in, I think. I want to ask, I know you, you facilitate with an intention to help others grow and not that you're expecting anything in return, but what do those women give back to you by being members of Living Fit? Oh boy. Um, I have been inspired by every single woman I've met. There is not one that hasn't gifted me somehow. And uh, I feel that way about everyone I meet. And, you know, that doesn't mean I don't encounter bullies or whatever else. I, I actually do know a bully who shall remain nameless. He's a very, very intelligent human being. And I sure hope they find their way because what a waste of talent to not feel good enough. There you go again that you have to bully people to feel bigger and stronger. I was, and you know, uh, I haven't, I've been very fortunate, but then again, um, you know, my gift, I don't know, the gift from the universe for me was to that phrase, uh, a gossip-free, complaint-free, criticism-free world. Does that mean I had all the answers uh, on what that looks like? But I just put those words on a, on a piece of paper. And when people walk into the room, it's there. It registers with them. And it creates an environment of security and sa safety. And uh, I, it's, uh, it opens a door to being yourself, just being you. And those women, that's the gift they gave me. I know their stories. And believe me, I, I can't even... If I had a chance to write them down, I've been asked to do that, but you know, I wouldn't even know where to begin because the strength, the affection, the love, the, the courage some of these women have had, I've had a very rich life. It's rich in all of those little, those women, all of those people that are all a piece of who I am. They've made me a better person, I feel. So I'm going to try and do the same for them. 
I love it. That was like the pretty little bow at the end of the session, <laughs> wrapping everything up. Okay. <laughs> Harriet, thank you. Well, you're I, very welcome. Yeah, we talk a lot about individual growth on the show, and we talk a lot about extending that to family and friends, and you're you're doing that in a wider sense for us, for the community. So you're someone that we've been very excited to share with everyone, although I'm sure they already know you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but it, it's lovely to have you here today. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. That's yeah. great. Um, if anyone has questions or comments about today's show or would like to pass on questions or comments to Harriet, you can email us at info at and we look forward to talking to you guys next Saturday.